Thanks for joining us online as Pastor Dave Carroll preaches in the message series, Magic City Miracle. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10. We will be in verse 35 through 45 today in our series entitled Magic City Miracle. We've been here uh, talking about being the hands and feet of Christ in what has been, become known as the magic city. And if you were, were absent last week, you know that the magic city became the magic city because the city grew so fast to over 2,000 people in just three or four months. And people thought, wow, that's magic. But we know that uh, magic really isn't uh, what exists. But we do know that God can still do miracles today. Do you believe that God is the God of miracles, that he still works, that he still moves that he's still involved in people's lives, but he asked us to be a part of it. And last week we talked about the miracle involving me, the miracle involving me. And the idea is that everybody wants to see miracles happen, but nobody wants to do the work. Uh, in many instances in the gospel, every time Jesus did a miracle, people were really tired. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. We think it was cool that a, a few loaves and fish fed so many people, but the disciples were like, no more miracles, Jesus, right? Uh, and so we want to be a church who puts our hand to work, who gets dirty for the work of the gospel, serving people. We want this heart embedded in the DNA of Elevation Church. But today we come across the idea, not that uh, just that the miracle involves me, but maybe this is even more important. It's the title of the message, that the miracle that God wants to do in the city of Billings is not about me. The miracle is not about me. And, and hear, hear me say this. We will find out today the, what I believe the number one reason is why people do not see miracles happen in this day and age. Many people look at miracles and they think, well, that's just something that happened in the Bible. That's something that happened a long time ago. And uh, I, I really don't know if they happen anymore. But there's a reason for it, and we'll find it out here in the Scripture. Now, if you would, take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And I want to prep you for what's happening in this passage because uh, what we're going to encounter has been building in the book of Mark. And I believe it started in chapter 9. Chapter 9 was really the first time we see Jesus separating out his 12 disciples in a strong way. Uh, up until chapter 9, it was Jesus and the 12. But then all of a sudden, Jesus took three. It was Jesus and the three. And they went up on the mountain. They had this incredible mountaintop experience that no one has ever experienced like anything before. And, and so they're up there, Peter, James, and John, with Jesus, seeing figures from the past, um, having this out-of-world experience, really. They walk back down, and this is where Jesus' three most important disciples begin missing the point. It's, the, the attitude starts to change just a little bit. And, and so it starts creeping in where uh, James and John and Peter and, and those three, they start pushing people away who, who aren't walking around with them. They're saying, Jesus, if these people aren't walking around with us preaching about you, then they must not be real. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. And then it digresses a little bit further where they start kicking little kids away from Jesus. They, they start saying, no, hey, Jesus is pretty important. We're pretty important. Um, little kids, stay away. But then we know Jesus said the famous words. If you know it, say it with me. Let the little children come to me. That's right. And then uh, it, it goes a little further here in the scripture 
where Jesus encounters who we know as the rich young ruler, and Jesus comes down, boils it all down and says, hey, uh, why don't you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And the guy said, oh, no. And the disciples come up, up to him in Mark's account of the rich young ruler saying, Haha, that guy struggled with selling everything, but Jesus, we've done it. We've sold everything. We're with you. And Jesus is going, oh, boy. You know, this, it's all going to their head, and they're, they're going the wrong direction, making everything Jesus was doing about them and them only. And, and so we pick it up right here where Jesus had just finished telling them that they were on the road to Jerusalem. They, they were on the road walking toward Jerusalem so that Jesus would die, be, stay dead three days, and on the third day, he would rise again. So they're walking on the road toward what we would call Palm Sunday, right? Uh, that's next Sunday where the triumphant entry happens. Jesus rides in on a donkey. And, and so Jesus is trying to tell them how he's going to serve and just how low he's going to go in his service. And the disciples kind of interrupt that program with verse 35. Let's look at it now. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, meaning Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, think about this in the context. I just told you that Jesus got finished telling his disciples that he would be mocked, spit upon, scourged, that he would die and rise again. And, and picture this. He's saying these things, and right in the middle of them, they go, hey, wait a second, Jesus, that's really nice. That's really, really nice. But can you do something for me? <laughs> can you do something for me? It's pretty brazen, isn't it? Verse 36, and he said to them, because Jesus is full of grace, praise the Lord for that, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left hand, in your glory. So are you tracking with this? They thought that they were walking to Jerusalem to be a part of a political reign of Jesus in Jerusalem. They thought that they were going so that Jesus could be in charge. And they're going, he picked me. He picked me. It's all about me. And they missed the point of what Jesus was about to ask them to do, which leads us to your first point today, your first blank. You may want to write this down. Selfishness is not the way to significance. If there's going to be a miracle in the magic city, a work of God, it is not going to be because people are selfish and people think that God is all about just them. Uh, and, and here's... Here's why people miss miracles. Remember I told you I, I was going to share the number one reason I believe people miss miracles today, why people don't see them? Here it is. They're only looking at themselves. They're only looking at themselves. They're selfish. They're just like James and John saying, hey, what, what about me? And, and we, we start to say, God, um, hey, I need a new job. I need a miracle, God. God, my kids need healing. I need a miracle. My health is hurting. God, I stubbed my toe and I put Lamisil on it to try to change the color and it didn't work, you know? It's all about 
me. Uh, God, would, would you please help me get a promotion? God, would you please help me make more money? Then we go, when it happens, we go, oh, God did a miracle. And we live our life and about four miracles have gone by. And really, they're not uh, very big miracles at all. But the greatest miracles happen, they happen when we lift our head up off of ourselves put our hands to work. Remember last week when we said the miracle involves me, it meant that we have to do not just prayer and not just preaching, but we have to have some perspiration, right? When we raise our hands, we may not be very sure. You know what I'm saying? We have to do the work and put our, our eyes out on others. You know, I experienced this in my life when Amy and I took our four boys. That's right, four boys. She's a saint, right? Because that means she has five in the house. Took our four boys from South Florida to Billings, Montana, to a place we'd only visited just a few times, and we decided to start Elevation Church. Now, I, I tell you, I had a, uh, a real inner struggle going on. Uh, the Pastor Fred would tell you it took me probably upwards of two, two and a half years to even say yes, and I'll tell you why it was a struggle. Because I had to, I had to come to terms with whether or not I would find my significance in things that benefited me, or if I'd find my significance and serving others. You see, I, I didn't have to come. Sometimes I didn't even want to come. I was making plenty of money, had a good job at a really, at a really large church, and uh, I could have stayed there the rest of my life. But something about finding significance and serving began to grip my heart, that it wasn't about what would happen to me. It's how God would use me so that others would come to know him. Do you see the difference? You see the difference. You see, many people are searching for significance through selfishness. And and all it does is it leads to a really bland, insignificant life. It's like the the guy who took his family on a cruise every year. How many of you like cruises, right? Uh, When you get to go, you get to see the ocean. We're like, it's opposite from where I was born. There, we love the mountains because we we only get to go once every so often. Here, we're in the mountains. Oh, yeah, it's just the mountains, right? And and, uh, yeah, I want to go see the ocean. Well, it's like this guy, he went on the cruise every year, and every year they'd pass an island with a guy just kind of doing jumping jacks, going crazy. It was an island out in the middle of nowhere when they, when they were going through the ocean. And uh, one, this one year, uh, he was looking out, and they saw the man, and another passenger asked the man who had been doing it every year, he said, hey, um, what is that guy doing over there on that deserted island? And he said, I don't know. Every year we pass this island, he starts going absolutely nuts. And... and uh, I don't know what's wrong with him. And it's one of these deals where we're on the cruise, we're enjoying life, we're trying to make it about us, and we're missing the miracle that Jesus wants to do through us because we won't take our head and point it up and look out at others and trust the Lord to take care of you so that you can begin to be involved in the miracle of Jesus Christ. And so, listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 3, uh, just the first part. Uh, the Bible tells us that s- selfishness is not an option. It's a command to not be selfish. It says this, do, what's that word? Nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing. It's a command. Do not find your significance. Our church cannot find our significance in selfishness and building ourselves up. Let's continue in verse 38 through 41. Here's what it says. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And by the way, in the original language, this word baptized means fully immersed in what Jesus was saying in suffering, fully immersed in suffering. They, they didn't understand. And they said to him, we are able. They said, we can take it, Jesus. We could do it. You will indeed, Jesus said, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism that I am baptized, with you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Which Jesus begins to tell the disciples this. Superiority is not the way to significance. Look what happens when the disciples, when James and John decided that they wanted to be superior. Look at verse 41. And when the ten heard it, boy, that is a telling scripture right there. It's not, if it wasn't bad enough, they interrupted Jesus telling them about the crucifixion that was about to take place, right? If it, if it wasn't so arrogant, they're doing this in front of their friends. They're saying, make me important, make me special. And superiority is not the way to significance. Superiority creeps into the church all the time, and it keeps churches from being significant. You know, part of the heartbeat of this series is that we take on a heart of service at Elevation Church. Not that we become popular or famous for how good we do things or, or how good I look, right? How skinny I am and muscular. I know, that's a joke, just so you know. No, or, or how good someone preaches or, or how well someone sings or even how well we do kids' ministry. And, and I want to do all those things well. But see, Jesus is reminding the disciples that we will not become significant by trying to aim for the top and trying to become superior. And, and remember last week we talked about part of the miracle that I believe God wants to do in the city of Billings is to raise up more leaders who care about the gospel and will advance the church. I talked a little bit about how Billings uh, many times uh, has pastors have to look outside of the state of Montana to bring in ministers for the church. But I, I believe God wants to see this change where the city of Billings is a sending region for Christian leaders um, who supply pastors all over the state, all over the Dakotas, all over Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah. Wouldn't that be awesome for God to see that? But many times people stop short in their leadership growth because of a superiority complex. Here's what happens. Uh, a couple of things. One, sometimes people look at super Mr. or Miss Christian, and they say, I could never be that significant. I could never do it like they do it. And that's and that hinders it, and people start to think of, of uh, growth and service as a position in a church. Um, sometimes people go the very opposite way, and they think the whole goal of life is to be in charge of something at a church. And if you're not in charge, then uh, something's wrong. In fact, I call this uh, the middle manager complex, right? Uh, they get told what to do at home. They go home. They get, told, you know, they get told what to do at home, and they don't have anywhere else to tell people what to do. So some people try to just come to church so they can get a position and tell a bunch of people what to do. And, and the fact is, is that that turns people off. And I think what it's done is created this barrier where people begin to say, well, if that is what significance is in church, Hey, leave me out of it. I don't want to know anything, right? That's, that's kind of what's happened. And, and so many times the idea of superiority as the way to significance 
um, creeps into the church and it hinders leadership. But Jesus is trying to tell James and John, hey, uh, you might you might be able to walk with me a little bit, but if you're going to act superior, um, what's going to happen is you're going to have to sit on the bench while all this goes down. And, and so here's some signs you might be struggling with, to, uh, with superiority. Like you might be trying to find your significance through this sin uh, and this arrogant behavior. Um, you might always have to be right. You know, like the goal of life is to walk in and win an argument, right? Or, or maybe you uh, constantly remind yourself of how talented and how good you are. Hey, you know what? I am awesome. And, and uh, hey, I can wake up today and I am God's gift to the world. Uh, maybe you're pushing people off by how you treat people and, and trying to remind them that, hey, hey, I'm the boss here. I'm the most knowledgeable. I'm the one uh, who knows more about a subject than you do. And, and really, here's what superiority is at its, at its truest form. Superiority is a cry for self-worth. Where you are trying to put up a mask so that people don't see where you're really hurting, who you really are. And you're trying to gain significance by outward appearance instead of taking on the character of God. Now, uh, I'll tell you the fallacy of this, and I'm going to be honest with you. Even though someone felt so bad for me, uh, they came up and handed me a brand new $10 bill. But I'm going to use the one from last service because it'll make it more fun. You'll see why in a second. Um, if I were to ask you, who in here would like a free $10 bill? Just raise your hand if you would like it. And, and if, if you don't, if you don't, come see me after because we have a building to pay for right here. And, uh, and I would love to see you after service. You want this $10 bill, don't you? Now, what if I, uh, what if I crumpled up the $10 bill? You still want the $10 bill? Raise your hand if you still want it. Everybody? Yeah, yeah. Okay. How, how about now? After you see what I do next and realize it's the same $10 bill from last service. How about now? Who still wants the $10 bill? Yeah. Hey, listen, for those who are in Christ Jesus, you might be cracked, you might be bruised, you might have a lot of stuff you're ashamed of, you might be hurt, you might feel like you have no worth, but here's the truth. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are a child of God, and no matter what happens, you have worth, and you are wanted by God, no matter what it looks like, and you don't have to be selfish. You don't have to act superior. You don't have to put a mask on to be significant. Isn't that great news today? That you don't have to do that. You have worth. You have worth in Jesus Christ. We can look for significance the way he wants us to look for significance. Look here at verse 42. Jesus begins to turn the conversation here just a little bit into a teaching moment. And he begins to say why the miracle is not about me. This is what he says. But Jesus called them to himself. You know, you imagine the fight. There's 10 guys who are angry, two who are vying for position. They're in a fight. Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Come over here. Come over here. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. He's saying, you know, in the world... This is how you gain significance 
by getting to the top and beating people up for it. But listen to verse 43. Very strong statement. Yet it shall not be so among you. Jesus turns the conversation over to service and getting your hands dirty. He's saying that is not how a follower of Christ is going to act. And here's something great about serving that we find out. Serving develops strength. Serving develops strength. Now think about this in terms of the disciples. The disciples were asking to drink the same cup as Jesus, to be fully immersed in the suffering, even though they didn't think it was going to be suffering, they thought the millennial thousand-year reign of Jesus was about to occur, that he was going to walk into Jerusalem, and James and John would sit right next to Jesus on the right and the left, and they had the right idea, but it just wasn't going to happen during their lifetime, and that's in the future. But they weren't strong enough to drink the cup that Jesus had to drink. You know how I know? It's because Peter, right? Peter, one of the strongest disciples, when it came down to it, and he was being asked, do you know this man? You know what the fact was? He wasn't strong enough. James and John, nowhere to be found. You know why? It's because they had this wrong trajectory where they thought they were going to become significant through other means other than service. But think about Jesus for a second. Jesus was able to endure the cross and stay dead in the ground three days and rise again because he had a strong serving muscle. Essentially what Jesus is doing is he's turning the world's view of leadership and, and, uh, and popularity and significance upside down. And he's saying, no, if you want to be great, fight to go to the bottom. And see, Jesus went all the way to the bottom when he went to the cross. And you know what he was able to do? And this is unreal. He was able to take the sin of the world, pick it up, and, and put it on his shoulders. Isn't that unbelievable? And you see, every time he served someone, every time he stopped and healed someone, last week we looked at the paralytic where he, he meant to preach in a household, but they brought in this quadriplegic guy and he went, wait a second, I gotta stop teaching for a second, healed. Every time he served, every time he fed someone, every time he raised someone from the dead or healed someone who was sick, he was building his serving muscle so that he can endure suffering on the cross. Now turn to someone, because Jesus had to carry the weight of sin, turn to the person next to you and say, you're pretty heavy, <laughs> right? Now, now listen, hey, I might be pretty heavy, but when I think, but when I think about my sin and what Jesus had to lift up, I think, how could he do it? How could he bear the weight? And the trick was that he was serving a little bit at a time. You know, people here at Elevation Church, uh, sometimes they get a little bit timid because they encounter this kind of conversation. They'll walk in the door the very first Sunday, and the conversation goes something like this. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Joe. Hey, Joe, would you like to serve with me next Sunday? And people are going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. This is my first Sunday, man. And we're going, yeah, we know. We value service. Why? Because we know that even service here on Sunday morning worship out in the parking lot or with kids or, or with food or at Next Steps or setting up the auditorium so that people could come and sit and have a pen, uh, what, whatever it is, we know that doing that helps build your serving muscle. And then it translates 
into your personal life. And all of a sudden, um, you develop strength uh, to serve. And next thing you know, when you encounter hardship in your life, you're like, just like Jesus, I got this. I got this. I know how to do it. Uh, some of you may not believe this. It might be very difficult to, to believe. But uh, I haven't worked out a whole lot in my lifetime. Now, I know that this is, comes as a shock as you stand here and, and look at me. But I haven't worked out very much. But there was a time right after college where I decided, hey, I better start pumping some iron. I better start working out. And for about two or three years, I started working out. And so one time I was a student pastor, and I, I, had, I had done it kind of half-heartedly, uh, gone to the gym. You know, one of those, uh, hey, you buy the membership on New Year's Day, you go for like a week, and then you miss, oh, skip six months. <laughs> you know, and then you're like, oh, yeah. And then when people ask you, you go, yeah, I, I work out. I work out at that gym. And, and so... Uh, people started throwing around their workout numbers. And there was a youth, someone I was leading, he was in high school, and I'm 23, 24 years old. He, he says, yeah, I, I, I was able to bench 280. I did like uh, three, uh, three sets of 10 reps. And, and I'm thinking, 280, in my mind I'm going, whoa, that's nuts. I'm, I'm weak, I'm weak, I can't do it. I'm thinking, and I'm his youth pastor, what am I supposed to say? And I went, yeah, 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 me, me, me too, me too. Well, okay, so I confess, I lied to him, but to try to regather some kind of integrity, uh, that next time I went to the gym, I went, you know what I got to do? I better push up, 280, I better throw it up real fast. And so, uh, naturally, I didn't get on the uh, free weight thing, I got on the machine, because it's a little easier, so they say. And I put it on 280, and I did get one, two, three reps in before... I was just dead. I couldn't do it. And so I was able to go back and say, yeah, boys, I did did it again, did 280. And they're like, oh, great job, great job, great job. Well, about two months later, I was on this youth trip. I was on about a 16-hour bus ride. And uh, Lord, thank you that you have saved me from student ministry, right? And uh, a 16-hour bus ride with middle school guys in the bus, I guarantee that does not smell good. But uh, at the end of this ride... I stand up out of the chair, and I go to get my bag, and I, and I go, something's wrong with my arm. Something's just wrong. It's not working right. And, uh, and I, I went into the, the gym there at the campground we were at, and I picked up a 25-pound weight. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And I went, man, I can't pick this up at all. I pick up a 5-pound weight, and I was able to get it to about right here, and I couldn't lift it over my head. And I realized that I had tore my rotator cuff. One month later... My left arm has the same thing happen. And next thing you know, I have two torn rotator cuffs because I wasn't doing the daily work to build my muscles. And I tried to take on too much. Next thing you know, snap, my body falls apart. Church, this is why people drop out of church. This is why people burn out. This is why when you hit challenges, you're just desperate for an answer. You walk in and you're like, oh God, if you'll just, just give me my desperation answer. Chances are you're not serving and you haven't developed the strength. And so when the big thing comes, you're trying to push the weight and you just can't. You have to build the muscle as often as possible. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that's my weaknesses, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And as we finish the scripture today, let's look in the middle of, well, let's start at verse 43. So Jesus says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. I love this passage of scripture. For even the Son of Man. Do you remember that term from last week? That Daniel chapter 7 tells us that the Son of Man is referring to Jesus who is powerful and strong. And he's coming back again at the return, the second coming of Christ. He's saying this powerful second person of the Trinity, Jesus, God who is in the flesh right here. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for the many, which leads us to our final point, and it is this. Serving unlocks significance. Serving unlocks significance. This is quite possibly the most powerful statement you will hear today from the Scripture. Jesus was saying, if you want to be significant, fight for the bottom and get your hands dirty. Who is the most significant person to ever walk the earth? Jesus. Who did the most significant work in the history of the earth? Jesus. Whose name resonates now over 2,000 years after his death? Jesus. Who needs no introduction? Jesus. And you know, he didn't do it by being selfish. He didn't do it by trying to be superior. He did it by serving. He did it by serving. You know, this works on a couple different levels. If you're If you're on an individual level, I know there are people struggling with depression, even suicide. I know there are people who are who are cutting themselves, who who contemplate a gun, and they're going, How do I how do I get significant? I'm insignificant. How how is this gonna change? The answer is get your eyes off yourself, stop gunning for things that that aren't gonna give you the recognition you need, and start uh, learning to live by the recognition of your Father in heaven and serving. And God will give you a heart of significance, and it will change you uh, for eternity. Um, I think that serving cures depression. You know what most people want to do when, they, when they're depressed? They go in the room, they turn the lights out, they try to isolate themselves. But do you know what the cure is? You go back out, and you, and you look for the needs of others, and you meet them, and you make sure to bring them to Jesus. You know how it's significant in your family? What if you went home, and you started... Um, a fight to see who was going to serve each other the most. Who was going to serve the kids? Which spouse was going to serve the other spouse more? Instead of being exhausted and exasperated saying, oh no, I have to do this again? How come I have to do more than you have to do? Hey, you don't understand me. No, if you want to be significant, you want your family to be significant, start serving each other. You will find great self-worth in service. And then here is one of the most important things for today. We need to become a church that gains our significance by how we serve, by how we serve each other, by how we serve our city, by how we serve our state. Uh, We need to be known, not by big programs, but when people think of Elevation Church, you know what needs to come out of their mouth? Wow, those people, they work hard and serve their heart out for their Savior. I don't know what else they do right, but they do that right. Do you hear what I'm saying? That is how... We will gain significance. It's why we do Servolution Saturday, why we ask you to take time, why we ask you to get your hands dirty. Because we want to count others 
as more significant than ourselves. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. The first part said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But the back half says, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. You see, if you look for significance anywhere other than serving, what you're really saying is, I don't need God's recognition. I need someone else's recognition so that I can feel important. And and here's, when we serve, we grab the heart of God. I want to close with this story. It's the story of the cracked pot. There was a servant who would fill two jars of water each day to bring to his master, to bring his master water. And the jars were connected to a, a wooden rod, and the rod was on the back of his neck. And so he would walk down every day, fill them up, and then he would come back. But one of the jars was, was great. It was perfect. But the other jar, the other jar was cracked. It had a big crack running through it. And so by the time the servant made it to the master's house from the riverbank, about half the water had leaked out. Half the water was gone. Well, one day when the servant was filling the pot, cracked pot with water, the cracked pot looked up to the servant and said, hey, I have to apologize to you. I'm really blowing it here. Really blowing it. I know I'm cracked, and I know that every time you hit the master's house, I'm only giving half the water to, to your master that the other pot is giving. And he said, hey, I want you to do something, cracked pot. I want you to look around when we are walking to the house. Get your eyes off yourself. Look around and tell me what you see. So they walk, and as they're walking, he sees lush foliage. He sees uh, flowers, wildflowers popping out of the ground. And he sees uh, the beautiful sky, and he sees, the, you know, he, he sees the trees moving because of the wind and the air, and he gets in the house. And the servant says, so, what did you see? He said, well, I, I saw all the flowers, and I saw everything growing. And he said, you know why those things grow along that walkway? It's because every day when we walk, you're spilling water so these things can grow. And my master always compliments me at the flowers that I'm able to put on his table to decorate his house when I bring him the water. And he says to keep you on that rod because of the work that you do when I walk to the house. You may feel like a scrunched up $10 bill. You may feel worthless. You may feel like there's nothing left for you in life or that you didn't become everything you hoped you would become. But God says this, if you will serve, if you will give away, if you will pour out the gifts, the talents, the treasures, the time that he's given you in service to his kingdom, you will find significance even if you're not, you don't see it right away. Do you hear what I'm saying? Isn't it good to serve a God like that? And so the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for the many. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me today. I want to ask you a question. Here it is. Where are you searching for significance apart from God? Where are you searching for significance apart from God? And it's stifled your ability to serve. It's put all the focus on you. It's put all the aim on how, how God can help you. And you're not much different than James and John interrupting Jesus. 
Where is that place that's been keeping you back from serving him and his kingdom? Today, I believe God wants you to give that up and to find your significance in how you serve others and how you lead them to Jesus because he is strong enough. Maybe today you walked in the room and for the first time you've understood that Jesus is strong enough to carry the weight of your sin, that he came to serve you on that cross. And you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never placed your faith in his saving work and the blood that he shed on the cross. He was driven through with a spear, with blood and water coming out. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be significant through his service. I want to ask, is there anyone in the room today who would say today, I want to be served by Jesus for the first time, and I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone like that who would say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ? Awesome. Is there anyone else who would say that? Today, not looking back, I'm giving my life to Christ Jesus. Hey, if you raise your hand, would you just look up at me with every head bowed and every eye closed? Hey, is today the day you want to give your life to, to Jesus Christ? Here's, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Would you be willing to go to the next steps table after church and talk to those folks and tell them that? That's something you'd be willing to do? That's what I'd like you to do. Awesome. Thanks, man. They'll lead you uh, in that decision. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have called your disciples to take on a heart of service. And God, that in that, we become significant. Father, would you allow Elevation Church to become significant because we are willing to work hard, Lord, to be a part of your miracle. Lord, we know we can't, we can't do the miracle. You, only you can. But Father, you can use our work to do it. Father, would you allow us with every last ounce of strength we have to be people who serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, well, hey, can we praise the Lord who serves us? Thanks for listening today and join us next week as we continue the series Magic City Miracle.